right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Exodus. Now, the last time we were here in chapter 11, we were basically preparing for the introduction of the very last plague, the death on the firstborn of all of Egypt. And so basically what we saw was God preparing the people to leave because he said in this last plague that he would bring upon Egypt, it would cause Pharaoh as well as his servants to literally thrust, to demand, to beg the Israelites to leave out of Egypt. And so in preparation for these things, God had told Moses to tell the Israelites to go to the Egyptians and to basically spoil the Egyptians. And what it meant, what I mean by spoiling is simply to, uh, in a sense, to get articles of silver and gold and clothing from the Egyptians. And the basic idea of all of this was a sense of repayment for their being enslaved by the Egyptians. But nevertheless, he told them to go and get the clothing, the silver and the gold from the Egyptians to prepare to leave Egypt because of the threat of the final plague that he would bring upon the Egyptians. And that plague is announced to Pharaoh as being the death of the firstborn of all of Egypt from the death of the greatest until the death of the least from the death, as he said, from one who sits on the throne of Pharaoh, the greatest, his son, to the very least, the slave girl in all of Egypt, the firstborn of Egypt, including all of the cattle will die. And this Moses said in his final word to Pharaoh. Now, this was not one of those bargaining times where he said, let my people go. No, this was a final threat of a final judgment that God would bring upon the Egyptians. And Moses left from the presence of Pharaoh in anger, telling Pharaoh, I will not come to you again. You will send for me. Okay. And so with that, we go into chapter 12 and in chapter 12, it is basically a division of certain things where we see God instructing Moses on what to instruct the Israelite people in observing a special ceremony, a special festivity that would be memorialized or should I say immortalized for all of the time of the history of the Israelite people. And this is the feast of the Passover. And then he continues on to give instructions for an additional uh, ceremony that is to be observed, which would be the feast of the unleavened bread in chapter 12. And then after that, he actually go, we go into the very narrative of when death comes upon the Egyptian people. Okay. But we will not be able to, well, I'm not going to say not, I'm just going to simply shorten the video and probably cover about half of Exodus dealing with the Passover, the instruction for the Passover, as well as instruction for the memorial of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And also, as I talk about some of these things, I want to deal with one of the most important part of um, this particular chapter, chapter 12 of Exodus, not only to tell you about historically what happened, that is what is in the text, of Exodus chapter 12, historically what they actually did, but also as it points toward Christ, who is our final Passover lamb. Okay. But with all of that, so this won't be an exceedingly long video. 
Let's just get into chapter 12 and I'll bring out those highlights concerning Christ as we move through the text. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th of this month, they are to, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves. According to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now let me stop there. I probably shouldn't have gone into verse number three before I talk about verse number two, one and two, but here's the issue. So we know that this is the final time period to which Moses and the Israelites will be in the land of Egypt. And so to commemorate this occasion, that is the great deliverance that God is about to accomplish, he signifies and commemorates this deliverance by saying that this will be the beginning of months. So when God brings this final plague to Egypt, the death of the firstborn, it will be commemorated with the beginning of the new calendar for each for Israel. And this is the religious calendar for Israel. Sometimes it can get a little confusing, but it is important to understand that Israel had two calendars. They had a civil calendar and they had a religious calendar. And here what God is bringing about is the beginning of the new month for the Israelites the beginning for their religious calendar, which will be, which is called the month Aviv, but Aviv. Okay. Let me slow it down a little bit. So this beginning of month is called Aviv. Aviv was later. Once they came into, they went into bondage 586 BC bondage under the Babylonians. There was a name change during the Babylonian period. And they changed the name from Aviv to Nisan, but it's basically the same thing. So whether you see Aviv, which is the biblical name for it, or Nisan, the name that it later on became known as, it is the first month commemorating the greatness of that event. Okay. And so then he begins to say, now let us go to verse number three and continue on. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. So he first gives instruction that, take a lamb. Now the word here that is used for lamb, I believe that is the Hebrew word set, which literally means a lamb or a goat. But the idea is a young lamb or a goat. And you'll see that later on as Moses, as God gives Moses the instructions to give to Israel. But so take this young lamb or goat. And the idea is it would be one lamb per household. And none of the lamb is to be wasted because if the lamb is too large and cannot be consumed by one household, then the lamb is to be shared with the nearest neighbor. And that's the idea that none of it should be wasted. And while I'm here, 
it brings about the idea. And I don't have time to get into all of these concepts, but it brings about a development of whole burnt offering because as the lamb is to be burned, the lamb is not to be, you're going to find out the lamb is not to be boiled, nor is the lamb to be eaten raw, but the lamb is to be burned completely the head, the legs, as well as the entrails of the lamb. So it speaks in principle of a whole burnt offering. The whole of the lamb is given not. Now we know that the, and I know guys, and I hope I'm not confusing you, but the, as you'll see this in the book of Leviticus, the whole burnt offering is given unto the Lord. As we see this Passover will be called the Lord's Passover. So as the whole burnt offering will be established as a statute in Israel to be given as a sacrifice unto God, as a whole burnt offering dedicated unto the Lord. So the lamb will function similarly. It will be, it will have a purpose, the blood of the lamb and the lamb as a whole. But because the lamb is called the Lord's Passover, it is functioning unto the Lord itself in totality. So therefore the whole of the lamb will be consumed. Okay. So if the lamb cannot be consumed completely by one family, it is to be shared with the neighbors in order that the whole of the lamb will be consumed. And that's the idea. I hope I didn't confuse you guys by going too far into the sacrificial system. We'll, we got a long time before we get to that because that's found in the book of Leviticus where God talks about that in particular. Okay. But nevertheless, let's continue now. Okay. I tell you what, and this idea is to be considered. Let's talk about how this pertains to Jesus. I was going to kind of wait until we get there, but I guess I'll work through it as we work, as we get through the text. And so it's Jesus because all of this depicts Jesus as the lamb of God. And the first time we see such a depiction of the Messiah as being a lamb is in Isaiah 52 and 53. And we are very familiar with that passage where it talks about he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And we come to understand that it is the lamb and the offering of the sacrifice of the animals that are given for the, on the behalf of sin. So wherever there is that sin offering, the blood of the lamb is shed. And Christ is that ultimate realization of the lamb. What did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus coming by the Jordan? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John understood him as being the lamb of God. Peter understood in first Peter chapter one, Jesus as being the lamb of God. Paul understood Jesus in first Corinthians chapter five, as he was trying to encourage the Philipp, I'm sorry, the Corinthians to turn away from their sin and immoral lifestyle. And he said, even as Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. And therefore Paul said to get rid of the leaven in their lives. And we see all of this idea of 
lamb, Passover lamb, Exodus chapter 12 and leaven. Now we haven't gotten to the leaven so far, but we will see that leaven has to do with sin. Paul is encouraging them, get rid of the sin in your life because Christ, the Passover lamb has been sacrificed for you. So therefore walk with God in sinlessness, you know, live right before God. And we see these both the uh, instructions for the Passover as well as unleavened bread closely given together. And I'll bring that about, talk about that as we deal with unleavened bread. But to stay on track, Christ symbolizes the Passover itself. And that's what I want you to see. He is the symbol of the Passover from Old Testament Isaiah to New Testament, even unto the book of Revelation, where it speaks of Jesus Christ as as being pictured as a lamb who had been slain from the foundation of the world. So all of that still points back to Exodus chapter 12. So therefore, the ultimate fulfillment of that great sacrifice of the lamb, because what, we, what we're finding out is this. And we're going to move through the text. The lamb will be taken. The whole body of the lamb will be burned and eaten by the people in a part of this ceremony. And we can see all of this being portrayed when Jesus speaks in the book of John, when Jesus says these words to the Jewish people. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. You die in your sins. So here again, Jesus is speaking toward that Exodus chapter 12, where we are now, that lamb, because what happens, and I'm premature, but I'm being premature because I want to explain it so you'll understand it. This lamb who will be burned and his flesh eaten by the people and also that unleavened bread, but I'm not going to into it right now. But this lamb when the lamb is killed, the blood of the lamb is to be captured in a basin and that blood is to be taken and, and placed on the doorpost and above on the lintel on the top of that door, the blood. And therefore death passes God in sending the angel of death will pass the Hebrew people by when they, when he sees the blood that is posted on their doorpost. So this speaks of Christ and his shed blood as his blood, as we believe in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, because that's what his blood did. His blood paid our sin debt. And as we appropriate the faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, how his body is given to a uh, given for us on the cross and is put to death. He gave his body as a sacrifice for sin. And as his blood is shed for sin, he becomes that lamb that allows the penalty of death to pass over us. So therefore Jesus becomes our Passover lamb because of his sacrifice, death passes over us. And by death, I don't simply means the physical death of our body. I mean the death of eternal separation from God because, okay, to be saved is to be ultimately 
in the presence of God. And when I say ultimately, that means one day we will be in the presence of God. This is accomplished by Jesus' death, resurrection on the cross, his death and his resurrection. Okay. So this is the life that we are given. So therefore death, which is eternal separation from God. That's what you see in Revelation chapter 20 when it talks about the lake of fire. This, the lake of fire is called what? The second death. Why? Because men are therefore not just in sin while they were alive and died in the body separated from God, but when men, Revelation 20, receive an eternal resurrected body, that is wicked men, receive eternal resurrected bodies and are eternally separated from God and therefore they experience death. All right. All right. That's enough of that because it's going to go too long from now. But I just want to make you understand how the ties of the lamb that we are going to see, how the body being consumed speaks of the whole burnt offering in principle of Leviticus speaks of the whole giving of the body of Jesus on the cross how it speaks of Jesus saying, consume his body. And if you do not consume his body, you have no life. He was not talking about eating, but he was referring back to Exodus 12, faith in what Jesus would do when he offered up his body for the sins of the whole world to be appropriated, appropriated by those who believe. And when I say appropriated, let me just simply say, cause I want you to have good understanding. Even though Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, everybody, everything, he died for everyone. It is only appropriated. That is, you can only realize the benefits of Jesus' death if you believe that he is the Messiah. If you believe that Jesus is the Messiah who lived and died for our sins, rose again on the third day. When you believe that, then that, uh, that benefit of life is applied to you. But nevertheless, when the blood was shed on the cross, it was for all the whole world, for the sins of the world. What did Jesus say again? Remember your John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You got it? He gave what? To death. Why? Notice now the qualification of the blood, the appropriation that whosoever might believe in him. That's the qualification. That's your appropriation. Okay. All right. It's too long. Let's continue with chapter 12. I think I'm going to cut it before I actually get, I'm going to cut chapter 12 into a series of videos so that I can do this explanation along the way. Cause I think it'll actually benefit commentary explanation because it points to Christ because, because the Passover feast was the central. When I say feast, it means the ceremony and the customs that the Israelites observed. It became the primary and central custom of the Hebrew people. It was the most important one. And quite naturally we can understand why, because it symbolizes the death of the Messiah of the God man. Okay. But now let's just go on with the, with the text. Verse number five, 
Your lamb shall be an unblemished male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And so now he tells that the lamb should be young. And that means no more than a year old, a year old. And also it could be a sheep or a goat. Now, how this pertains to Christ deals with youthfulness. That is when we look at the picture of Jesus, because Jesus is the ultimate picture of this lamb. Notice it is a young lamb. And that's when the prophets talk about how Jesus was cut off from his generation and how Jesus was approximately 33 years of age when he was crucified. So therefore we see as it pertains to our Lord, he was not an old man, but he was relatively a young man as the lamb, as the lamb pertains to him. Continuing verse number six, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Okay, so now let's talk about it. So let's talk about what it is doing here. Notice they are to get the lamb on the 10th of the month. So it is based. So we have a time period that is set here on the 10th of the month. Get the lamb. Observe the lamb for its uh, purity. Remember, the lamb is supposed to be a spotless lamb. And then on the 14th day of the month, 14th day of Aviv or Nisan, the whole assembly of Israel is to kill the lamb. And what it means is this. This is done by each family. So all of the families of, uh, 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 in each household, uh, each household is to participate in the killing of the lamb on the 14th day. And when it says at twilight, basically the idea is at evening time. Because remember, in Jewish time, days are reckoned from evening to evening. Okay, so twilight would be towards the closing of the evening. So you would probably do this around three to five o'clock because toward the evening time at the evening time will be the beginning of another day. And we'll talk about that more as we get into the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which begins on the 15th. Because here we see on the 14th is the Passover. That's when you kill the Passover. So the Passover and unleavened bread come very close together. The Passover is killed. 14th unleavened bread you'll see. And that's later on in this same chapter will be on the 15th that very next day. OK. All right. But now let's get into the text as well. So uh, verse number six again uh, on the 14th. Now, let me talk about that how it pertains to Jesus. Notice they said earlier that you take the lamb on the 10th. And then there is this observation of the lamb that the lamb may be spotless. And then on the 14th, the lamb is supposed to be killed by all of the congregation. That means each family kills their particular lamb. As it pertains to Jesus, it was on You'll sometimes see this heading in your Bible, the triumphant or the triumphal entry. And that is when we see in the book of uh, of the Gospels, we see it especially in Luke, 
when Jesus came into Jerusalem, this was the final time when Jesus, because this was the final Passover. This was the fulfillment of the Passover of Exodus chapter 12. We see Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. This is in fulfillment of Zechariah, but we don't have to, we're not going to deal with all of that, but it is that it is the uh, prophetic fulfillment. Behold, your king comes meek, low, riding on a donkey. And it fulfills that. And here is Jesus coming into Jerusalem, presenting himself before the people, especially before the leaders of the people, the, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes and the Herodians. And there we find out for these four days, Jesus is presented before the people and Jesus is tested. Notice what you see happening during those times, during those days. Jesus is tested. Tested for what? He is tested for sinfulness because the idea of the lamb, that, that, that back to Exodus, being without spot, speaks symbolically of sinlessness. So therefore, when Jesus rode on that triumphal day, it was his testing. So as the lamb for the, as Moses, as God is telling Moses to tell the people here to take that lamb on the 10th and those four days is given for observation of the lamb for spotlessness. So Jesus, when he came in on the 10th of Nisan, when Jesus came in, he was also tested for his sinlessness by the leaders of the people. And therefore, having passed the test, Jesus had a final Passover with his disciples. And I'm not going to get into all of that right now, which we understand as the Haggadah. But he had this final Passover with his disciple. And after that, we find out that later on that next morning at nine o'clock in the morning, Jesus was taken and was crucified. The lamb was crucified. So anyway, the idea is Jesus fits the symbolic gestures that are found here. Taken on the 10th of Nisan, Jesus came on the triumphal day of entry and up until the 14th, when Jesus ended the celebration of Passover, Jesus himself was crucified. And it was at this same time because, okay, this is what would, ha would happen. Um, the, the leaders, okay. After each family, this is what the custom that was practiced after each family killed the Passover lamb, in the temple in Jerusalem, the leaders of the temple, the priests of the temple at nine o'clock that next morning would have a lamb, a Passover lamb that they would sacrifice on behest of the nation in observance as a nationwide Passover. So they would have a sacrificial Passover on the next day. That is after remember. Okay. What you have to see is this, that the Passover is being observed in the evening time, in the evening time. So in the next day, morning, nine o'clock, the priest would give a Passover sacrifice for the whole nation. It was at this specific time that Jesus himself was sacrificed on the cross and he became the official Passover. OK, he fulfilled all of that. All right. Uh, let's continue.
they shall eat verse number seven. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. And so basically he is now saying that what you're going to do is the blood that is captured from the lamb. And I'm back to the, what, what was, what was going on with Moses. You capture the blood and you post it on the doorpost and you post it. When they say the lintel, it means above the door, the little, the top part of the door. And that's where you posted. The blood shall be posted on. And the whole idea simply is, as we will see, is this will be a sign unto God that when God and the angel of death moves throughout all of Egypt, when he sees the blood, it will be the significant. It signifies to God pass by that house or the idea pass over them. And this deals with Christ in the sense that when the blood of Christ, that is when you believe in Jesus, what do you believe? I believe he died for my sin, shed blood, rose from the dead. When we believe in Jesus Christ, death passes us by same idea. Okay. Verse number eight, they shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And so basically it just, they will eat that lamb and unlike the heathens, they will not eat it raw, nor shall they boil it, but they will burn it with fire and they will also eat it with unleavened bread. Now, what is significant that, that when unleavened bread is bread without yeast. Okay. What is significant about unleavened bread is yeast symbolizes sin because, and this is the whole idea. Yeast deals with things that causes bread to rise. Rising up deals with pride. Pride means this. The whole idea is this. God speaks in his holiness of a righteous standard, a way that he wants us to live. But in arrogance against God, rising up against God, we reject God's standard and live the way we want to live. And that's the idea why yeast is not permitted to be in the bread. It symbolizes rising up against God, against the commandments, standard of life, the holiness of God. So therefore God commanded them to eat it with bread that is without yeast, unleavened. And how this pertains to Christ is he himself, Jesus is that bread, uh, bread of life. Remember Jesus said himself, I am the bread of life. I, that is what God that came down from heaven that the father has given to you that a person can eat and live. But there, but as being that unleavened bread, Jesus was without sin. He did no sin. Okay. And neither was there deceit found in his mouth. So that is the idea of bread and the bitter herbs is to bring remembrance back to the Israelites of the bitterness of slavery, the bitterness and harshness of slavery. So you have to always remember that all of these things are a commemoration, a commemoration in some sense of their deliverance from slavery. Verse number nine, do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but 
but roasted with fire, but rather roasted with fire, both his head and his legs along with his entrails. Now this simply goes back to what I was saying to you in the similarity of like a whole burnt offering in that similarity of sense. But concerning the lamb, notice it is, it is burned, baked with fire, incompleteness, head, tail, legs, inclusive of the entrail. And they were forbidden to boil it, eat it raw or boil with water. And they were to eat it all and don't leave any of it. So therefore, this is why we brought again that idea of whole burnt offering. And the, the idea of whole burnt offering is this, the whole of Jesus, his life, his body was a dedication to service to God. That's why it's the idea. That's what the idea that is permeating through these things, through these sacrifices, through the giving of this lamb in totality, the whole of Jesus. He did not come to do his will. He came to do the will of the father in totality, even to give his life, his body as a sacrifice for sin. Okay. All right. 10. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. And that just simply speaks for itself. Any of the lamb that is not eaten, that, that the, your family or another family sharing with you, and it was still too much, still leave none of it. Burn it, burn the rest of it with fire. So that, notice, you see, you see the semblance of it? So that this offering will be Holy burned. See it now? Holy burned. Holy consumed. Now you shall eat it in this manner, verse number 11, with your lawns girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Let me just keep reading. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Okay. Let me just stop there. So now he simply says this. All right. When you eat the Passover, this is God instructing Moses to instruct the people, tell them to be ready to depart from Egypt. For in this plague, they will be hurried out of the land of Egypt and they will have no opportunity to prepare to leave because the Egyptians will demand and beg for them, even Pharaoh, to leave in haste, fulfilling what God has said. When I'm through with Pharaoh, he will thrust you out. But anyway, so he says, have your clothes on. That's what he means by your lawns girded. Be, have your clothes, your travel clothes ready, your sandals on your feet, staff in your hand, be ready to travel. And even when you're eating the Passover, Eat it quickly. Eat it in haste. The, the whole idea is get ready quickly. God is about to strike. And when God strikes, you won't have any opportunity to be ready. The Passover symbolizes the hurriedness in leaving the land of Egypt. 
And so he says what? He says, again, notice what he calls the Passover. It is not Israel's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. This is not just simply the command of doing, but the lamb itself is Yahweh's Passover. And this symbolizes Christ himself. He is, what did John the Baptist say, Jesus? Behold the lamb of whom? God, and it's a beautiful thing, because notice, the, okay, might as well, I'm gonna stop here because it's so long, but just let me explain it. All lambs before, all lambs before, were always given by men. That is, notice what he said, they are to take the lamb from amongst their flock, examine that lamb, and finally kill and burn and consume that lamb. The people of Israel were to do that. You got it? And all throughout every generation from the time that this ordinance was given by Moses up until the coming of Jesus's death on that cross, all that time, every lamb was given and selected by a man. Even though here Moses says what? Actually, the lamb is Yahweh's Passover lamb. It was not until Jesus himself came and John the Baptist identified Jesus. And what did John say when he saw Jesus again? Behold the lamb of God. And it is this lamb that is sacrificed. The lamb that God has chosen. The lamb that God has selected. That is the only lamb that can truly be Yahweh's Passover. So again, Jesus fulfills Exodus chapter 12 because he is the only lamb that Yahweh has chosen himself. He is the only one. Okay. But let me finish. So back to the commentary, because God is simply saying, because here in this section, being ready to go because tonight, that night, that is the night of the 14th, will be the night that God will pass through all of Egypt and his hand will strike the firstborn of all of Egypt. And again, as we've been saying throughout our study of the plagues of Egypt, God simply says in consummate form, striking all the gods of Egypt. And that's the idea of all of the plagues. All 10 plagues were against the gods of Egypt to show the incompetence of the gods of Egypt to show that these idol gods of Egypt were no gods at all. Okay. And then he simply says, dealing with the blood that was posted on the side and the top, that this blood was simply be assigned to God and seeing the blood, he would pass over the houses of the Israelites and death would not visit a firstborn of their household. Okay. And this was an indication. The blood was simply an indication, same as it is for us as an exercise of faith for the Israelites to place the blood on their homes. It is an indication that they believed the word of God and therefore death passed them by. Notice something too. Let me simply say this part too, as an interesting point to take note of the blood was placed on the sides, and the blood was also placed at the top, but the blood was not placed on the ground, on the floor where the feet walk. And I believe this is because it would be an affront against God 
to walk on or to consider the blood of the lamb to be that which is so unworthy that you walk upon it, that you tread on the blood of the son of God. And therefore the blood was not placed on the bottom, but just on the doorpost and the top. All right. Final word concerning this. When we consider this Passover ordinance that Moses, and this is what Moses given them an ordinance. This custom was passed down uh, for all of Jewish families. Even until this day, they continue the practice, the custom. Uh, let me make a point about the bread, the bread, the unleavened bread that was used. And I'm going to deal now with a custom of the Jewish. It's called the Afakoma, the Afakoma. During the, uh, the Haggadah, and this is when they would celebrate the feast of the Passover in Jewish homes. This is the custom. Okay. I'm dealing with the custom. They would take a, 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 a little bag and in that bag, they would have three pieces of unleavened bread. And in the three pieces of unleavened bread, in order for the bread to qualify, it had to be unleavened. The bread had to have holes in it. And the bread also had to have stripes, stripes, stripes on the bread. And this would clearly indicate speaks of Christ, Christ, unleavened sinlessness, the holes. He was wounded considering how Jesus was on the cross and how they pierced his hand and they pierced his feet, that unleavened bread. And as well as stripes, how the Roman soldiers severely beat him. The Afakoma. Also in the Jewish celebration of this, they would take that middle loaf. Remember, they had three unleavened because the three pieces, the three loaves of bread, unleavened loaves, spiritually indicate the unity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But during that feast time, when they would celebrate it, they would take the middle loaf out. And when they would take the middle loaf out, they would take it and break it and part. And when they would take it and break it, they would take that from that second loaf that they would break piece of bread from the middle loaf. They would hide it. And then after a certain period of time, they would go get it again. This clearly symbolizes the son of God, the second member of the Trinity. Notice taking the loaf, breaking it, Jesus did the same thing when he celebrated the final Passover with his disciples. When he took that loaf, it was the middle loaf and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. The second loaf, the son, because it is the son, the second member of the Trinity that is given for us, sacrifice for us. And he said, this is my body that is given for you, signifies his body as that unleavened bread that is given. Then afterward, notice what they would do. Take the bread after a certain time that was hidden and go get it again. This symbolizes the death of Christ. The returning of the bread symbolizes the resurrection of the Lord. Okay. But anyway, all right, that's enough of that. <laughs> I enjoyed that. But join me next time as we continue our teaching in the book of Exodus. And we will continue teaching in this manner so that you guys can understand the symbolism of both the Passover as well as the commemoration of 
unleavened bread as how it pertains to Jesus, our Messiah. Thanks for joining me. See you next time as we, well, I don't know if we'll complete it, but let's simply say continue in Exodus chapter 12.